Thank you very much, my sister Caroline, and praise the name of the Lord, everyone. We give thanks to the Lord for this morning and for the opportunity to share in, in the word of God and, and, bring, um, and bring to him our prayer and, and concerns and, and, and also worship him. Um, I thank you for all the prayer that you've done before, and uh, we will just uh, go ahead. Um, I will begin with a brief uh, prayer, and then we will go into the word that the Lord has given uh, for us to chew on, to digest this morning as we prepare and launch into a session of, of, of prayer. Master and Lord, I thank you for this morning, for this opportunity to be before you. I ask, oh God, that Indeed, as my sister has prayed, that your spirit will take charge of me, that you will give me utterance, Lord, that I will only utter that which is of you, that which is by your spirit, and that you alone will be glorified, Lord, I ask that you will feed us, feed all of us, feed our spirits, feed, our, feed us, fill us, oh God, with that which you have prepared for us this morning. Our hearts are open. And, and glad to receive from you. Lord, we worship you. We bless your name. We thank you for the privilege it is to be before you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can I get some confirmation from somebody that I am loud and clear? Amen. 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 Thank you. Praise the Lord. So our, co our topic this morning is commissioned to witness for resurrection. And my sister has ably read uh, for us the scripture, and I will only repeat it because this is in another version, which may be easier for us to follow. Uh, it's Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 32. And it reads, this is from the ESV. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are witnesses. As I mentioned, our topic is commissioned to witness for there is for the resurrection, for resurrection, actually, not for the resurrection, but for resurrection. Um, we see in this scripture that they're talking about, the, by the way, the background is um, the Holy Spirit had come upon the believers in the upper room, as you all remember with Acts chapter two, and all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and started speaking in other languages, in other tongues. And so people around them, the people who, who were in that area, started hearing them speak, each of them in their own different dialects, which, which their own different languages. There were people from Crete, uh, from Phrygia, from people just were hearing them speak in their languages. And of course, some um, thought that, well, these, are these men drunk or something? And this is when Peter comes up and he is now beginning under the action of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to explain to them what is going on and, and eventually calls them to salvation. And so he is using in, in this part of the scripture, 
he's quoting someone who they strong, whom the Jews strongly, you know, believed in, and you know, he was their patriarch. He's quoting David, because you see, the, the, this is David is one person that they certainly believed in. He was their patriarch. He's their person. So he's telling them this Jesus who they crucified. You know, he, he's their patriarch, David, for us so for us so that this Jesus would be resurrected from the dead. And that is what is the context in, of, of the scripture that we are now reading. And I want to, you know, go again over verse 31, because he said, he foresaw, he, David, their patriarch, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Now, as we know from the, the story in the book of Acts, yes, um, they, they, they were witnesses. Um, the disciples, of course, Jesus appeared to the disciples and to several others. Okay, So even among those people, they were witnesses that Christ um, had been raised from the dead. And we, we, we are trying to understand what this means in our context. What commissioned to witness for resurrection means in our context. So these people actually saw Jesus and he's referring to that, that, you know, so of that they were all witnesses. But taking it further to us who are here now, yes, we may not have seen Jesus in that sense, but we believe that he was raised from the dead. In fact, it's a central aspect of our faith. And actually, if you don't believe it, then really you are not, you are not a Christian. It's a central aspect of our faith. We, we actually recite it almost every Sunday in, in, the, in the Apostles' Creed. And so it, the call this morning is more bringing us back to some certain basics of our faith that we probably have um, maybe downplayed, lost sight of, become too used to and are not necessarily applying this to our lives. And so by the help of the Holy Spirit, I will share with you uh, that which the Lord has placed on my heart concerning this particular topic, commissioned to witness for resurrection. So I, I know I'm speaking to a highly educated audience, so I really don't need to go into details about the meanings of some of these things, but just for us to be on the same page. Commissioned, what does commissioned mean? It's really around being charged with a task, empowered to do a task, given authority to do a task. So we are commissioned to witness for resurrection. We are charged with that task. We are empowered to do it. We are given authority to do it. And we are actually even promised that we are backed up by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually demonstrate this. This, this, this resurrection that we are charged to witness about. Being a witness, as you know, is providing evidence for having seen or experienced something. And so we, 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 we are meant to be providing evidence for the resurrection or having seen, sorry, having seen or experienced it. And so that brings us to the fact that have we, by the power of the spirit of God, you actually do almost on a daily basis, depending on how close you, you are walking with the Lord and with the spirit of the Lord, 
you can actually experience the power of the resurrection every day. And, and we have seen that a lot happening in, in, our, in our church lately in, in All Saints Cathedral. And this, this is what we are called to witness about, to talk about. Uh, witnessing something is also seeing something unfold. You know, we, we are witnessing cold weather, we are witnessing hot weather, we are witnessing hot hostility, that kind of thing in that context. And it also applies to our topic today. You know, are, are we, we are we seeing this unfold? Should we be seeing this unfold? And and when we do see it unfold, what are we still doing about it? So that's the context in which. Um, our our topic comes or is interpreted. So I can sum it up as saying we are charged with the task to speak for and of the resurrection, to speak for and of the resurrection, to share our experience of it, to experience it that we may testify by the enabling of the Holy Spirit and cause or empower others to see, experience and testify for and of the resurrection. And it's for and of the resurrection in two contexts. The whole concept of resurrection, or one will call it the phenomenon of resurrection, but also the person who is called the resurrection. Hallelujah. So this is as seen in Acts 1.8, and we will go ahead to unpack it to ourselves. So Peter said to these people that we are all witnesses of the fact that God raised Jesus up from the dead, as had been prophesied. And indeed, there were people there who had actually seen the resurrected Jesus. And so he was taking off in that context. And, and you know, in the Jewish culture, if two men had seen something it, and provided evidence for it, it was taken as true. So this, there were more than two men who had seen Jesus re resurrected. So there was, there was absolutely no doubt that he had uh, been raised from the dead. But when it comes to us, this is where I bring in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus said this to his disciples when he was being taken up to heaven in the ascension and he was telling them they will be his witnesses. And this applies to us. This is to us. We are his disciples. We will be his witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon us in all these places around us and, and uh, in, in our lives, where we live, our Jerusalems, our Judeas, our Samarias, and really to the ends of the earth. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we will be his witnesses. Witnesses to what? Among all the other things that we believe, witnesses of his resurrection and for his resurrection. Hallelujah. So I now bring it down to us. And I just want to ask a simple, simple question. When did you last witness to anybody of the resurrection? When did you last do that? He died, Jesus died, he was buried and was resurrected. Many times, even in Christendom, we are preoccupied with other things and fail to cover or digest some of the greatest themes of our faith, such as this one, which is the resurrection. Yet a good understanding of this great truth, the resurrection of Jesus, would help us solve many of the problems that we tend to be preoccupied with and we, that we tend to look for other solutions to. 
you know, other solutions like, you know, psycho, psychological support, counseling, human medicine. I am not saying that those are wrong, but we have a greater truth to which we must cling, to which we must cling, in which context we must see that which we are being told, that which we are being asked to believe. This is, this is the bigger context of what and who we are and what and who we have believed. That he died, he was buried and was resurrected. So I'm just asking, when did you last witness of the, resur the resurrection itself? The resurrection itself, not, not just the crucifixion and the, the, the blood that was shed for us and all that, but the resurrection. But the resurrection. That's 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 the point I'm trying to bring forward. When did you last share with anyone any of these facts or these great truths? I know in, in this day and age, when you talk about such some of these things, they will say that your communication. Communication is generally morbid, but it is not. Actually, it is powerful if we actually address these things. And I charge you, even as I charge myself, that we witness, we share more and more about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when did you last share with anyone any of these facts? I'm going to list the facts. And I would simply pause and allow you to think about it. And then I will move to the next one fact is that when it comes to death, we are not in charge. We are not in charge. You do not know. And for the most part, you cannot influence when or how or where you will die. There was some uh, pastor who was asked uh, after uh, that, that major, major, major um, attack on the Twin Towers, uh, when all those people died suddenly uh, in you know, September 9-11, uh, the pastor was asked by just a news anchor, he was asked, so what does this mean? And you know, in such a time when there's been mass death, mass, you know, it is important that you say something that makes a difference, that speaks on behalf of, of the kingdom, which you, pre you represent. So this pastor answered, it simply means to us, and tells us that when it comes to death, we are not in charge. But how many times do we, in our conversations with people, in our counseling of people, in our, you know, responding to people, how many times do we remind us and them that when it comes to death, we are not in charge? Our God is sovereign. There are things he keeps to himself. He does not ask you when or how or whether you agree that he should do certain things. That is what his sovereignty is about. And so when it comes to death, we are not in charge. That is an eternal fact. It cannot change. We all have an appointment with death, no matter how great or small. And death, therefore, is a great equalizer. I'm talking about death first because it is resurrection from the dead that we are called to be witnesses of, that we are commissioned to be witnesses of. So we all have an appointment with death. So first, when it comes to death, we are not in charge. Second, we all have an appointment with death, no matter how great or small, no matter how much of a bulldozer you are, no matter how massive your wealth is, no matter how intelligent, no matter how much influence you have, no matter, no matter how much power you have, we all have an appointment with death. Death is, in a sense, a great equalizer of humankind. 
the great equalizer. The word of God in Hebrews 9.20 says, 9.27 says, but it is appointed for every man to die once and thereafter judgment. And yet Paul really boasted in this in Philippians 1.21. He said, but for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How many times do we as Christians walk around with that attitude? Because that's the attitude you get when you understand the resurrection and that which you have believed and that which is in store for you. The next question I have is, or rather the next statement that I have asking again ourselves when with the last time was that we shared this is, the fact is our Lord Jesus is the only one that overcame death through the resurrection. That's where that which we believe, that's where our faith takes on a whole new dimension compared to other faiths. All these other faiths, the people or the one they follow, their prophet can be located in the world of the dead. But our Lord Jesus is the only one that overcame death through the resurrection. If we have not internalized that, may the Holy Spirit help us. Holy Spirit help us internalize it. That he who is on our side, he who called us, he with whom we walk is the only one, the only one that was raised from the dead. He, he, the, I mean, that overcame death. Because some, of, some people were raised from death, but they died again. But Jesus overcame death through the resurrection. He is the only one who, I like this quote, He's the only one who made an appointment beyond the grave and kept it. <laughs> Hallelujah. There are people who make appointments when they die. All these are canceled. But Jesus made an appointment beyond the grave and kept it. How we are raised to fear death. How we are raised to fear the graves. How we are raised to, to, to feel that that is a formidable thing that we cannot tackle. And yet the Lord is available. And what he has done is available for us to see death in a very different perspective and embrace resurrection. Hallelujah. He is the only one, our Lord Jesus is the only one who made an appointment beyond the grave and kept it. The Lord whom we have believed has power over that which mankind fears most, that which mankind cannot handle or manipulate. He has power over death. You know, at most what people can do is delay death. You know, you, you have seen with the, you know, the, all this life support and what, and they call their families, can we switch off now? We have waited. But you see, it, it just shows that when it comes to the dimension of death, we do not have the power to manipulate or change it. But the one whom we have believed has the power over it. Demonstrated, he rose from the dead. That's why the Resurrection Sunday is a powerful, it's a powerful time for us to rejoice that we, which we believe if we really do understand the magnitude of it. All who believe in him and follow him will be resurrected too. When did we last share some with, with anybody, these facts? You know, when did we last digest them or, or interpret them for anyone in our mission as Christians? You know, the beauty of the person of, of Jesus, whom we believe, of, of God the Father who raised him from the dead, of the power of the Holy Spirit, which was, it was he, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead. The, the beauty of, of, of all that is that 
the power, that power is available to us. And so the God that we believe actually rules on both sides of the grave. So when we say he is Lord, I hope we understand what we are saying. He's not only Lord on this side of the grave, he is Lord on the other side. Lord simply means, you know, owner, the one who is above all, the one who takes charge, the one who, who actually owner, because I, I think the beauty that I like interpreting that to myself in the same way as we say the word landlord, you know. The landlord, you know what a landlord is. He has authority over that part of, 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 of property and, and what he says goes. But now the Lord is Lord of all. Okay? He's not just landlord. He's Lord of all. And our Lord rules on both sides of the grave, on both sides of death, this thing, phenomenon that we've been raised to fear. He is the resurrection. He rose. He rose from the dead. Therefore, he is the best one or the best chaperone to escort us through the valley of the shadow of death. Actually, it is what he did that makes death a shadow. When you pass by a shadow, it doesn't crush you. It doesn't crush you. And that's what he did with death. That if you believe in him and have received him as your Lord and Savior, you, death is only a shadow for you. And therefore, like David, you can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You who, you who conquered death, hell, and the grave. When we go, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I am not part of this. Sometimes we go and visit people who are dying and the spirit of God tells you, I am taking this one. I'm taking them. I, I, I mean, so you, 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 in a sense, know that this is their time because the spirit has told you. But then you, 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 you continue to say, let us, let us pray. Let us continue to pray. I mean, what are you saying? Are we really being genuine? Yes, it is tough to tell somebody that you, you are going. God has said you are going. But maybe you don't have to say it like that because it's maybe traumatic to the relatives, but you can be a witness to the resurrection and say that, you know, no matter that which it is that we are facing, the Lord Jesus walks with us on both sides of the grave. Let, let us help ourselves and help those that we minister to, to be able to handle death and cross that river. It's, it's beautiful what, what we do, um, uh, the, the calling of the priests to minister to the sick and, and those by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, because I know it takes wisdom. It takes uh, an utterance that comes from the Holy Spirit to actually be able to convey somebody to, across that bridge, across that, that great chasm of death to the other side. But you know, if you are the one who has that which will get them through the valley of the shadow of death, it is most unfair and most un uh, and, and really most unkind not to share with them that which they need to cross the valley of the shadow of death. And, and this is simply what I'm saying. And I'm saying, wait, I am also, you know, I am challenged also, even as I say these things, because yes, we have all been around people whom the Lord has assured us is taking, but have we, sufficiently equipped them or shared with them that which they need to know. That 
even as they cross, they are crossing with that resurrection. And so therefore, when they die within him, they will rise again. And death is but a shadow. It's not something for them to fear. The reason why death had, po had power was because of sin and because of the law. Because we are sinful man and the wages of sin is death according to the law. But Jesus came and died for us. He paid those wages for us so that when we cling to him and accept that which he has done for us, our debt to death is canceled and we are therefore taking on that which he has earned for us, which is life. And that's why we have songs that say, oh death, where is your sting? It is taken from that scripture. Death has lost its sting, its power. It lost its power and its sting when Christ died for, for our sins. That's in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 55. We often say we have gone off on mission to preach the gospel. But what is the gospel compared to what that which we are now preaching? Hmm? The gospel, which is the good news. The good news is that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. He triumphed over death and the grave. But tell me in how many crusades you have had that part being shared, that part that he rose again. The worst type that I have witnessed myself is Yesu Ajakua Emotoka. Ajakua, the husband you are looking for. Ajakua, I mean, how we have watered down the gospel. The good news, the gospel, is that Jesus died, was buried, and rose. Again, you can look that up in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8. He triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. That's in Revelations 20, 11 to 15. So again, we are searching our hearts about our operationalizing of what we say we believe in the gospel. Our sharing of what we say we believe. So many times... What we say we are preaching as the gospel is something quite alien to, to, to what the, the gospel is. So again, I say the good, good news is that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That is, allow me to, to put it in a local context. That is the pin of the gospel. And for any pin number, if you miss a digit or you change a digit, then that pin doesn't work, isn't it, for our ATMs? So let us encourage ourselves. I encourage you even as I encourage myself that we remind ourselves that we are commissioned to speak also, to witness also of the resurrection and for the resurrection. For the resurrection. So um, we, 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 we have walked through the searching of what we, we do, what we have done and what Christendom has become. And we are trying to remind ourselves where resurrection comes in. We are commissioned to witness for Jesus, who is also the resurrection. We are commissioned to preach, minister, and manage our lives in this context that he who we believe, who, who we believe died, was buried, and rose again. Th that's the context in which we are commissioned to operate as Christians. And that's the point I am trying to press forward, that the resurrection part is the part of the pin number that we seem to be either downplaying or getting wrong. He 
who is in us, who we have believed, that is Jesus, and have given our lives to, is actually the resurrection, as we will see uh, shortly. So let us quickly bring this down to our lives, or whatever might be troubling us this morning. Hmm? We know that the strength of a promise, or, or the strength and comfort that we get from a promise that we have been given, is it, it depends on the capacity of the one giving the promise. The capacity of that person, either the perceived capacity or the actual capacity. So when your mother promises you something, you're like, oh, my mother is, is really you know, faithful, usually does this, etc. When uh, this uh, rich uncle promises to pay for this, you are sort of relaxed because he has promised to deliver this. But now I come and invite us to come before the Lord also in repentance about this because the Lord who is the resurrection, in, whose, in, in whom there is the power to raise things from the dead, has given us promises, which we sometimes find ourselves doubting or downplaying because we have lost our grasp of the capacity of him who has made these promises to us. The most, it is most unfortunate that we find ourselves sometimes believing and taking comfort in or acting upon the promises of certain earthly men more than the promises of the Lord our God, more than the promises of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. For example, we, 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 we sometimes find ourselves believing more in what the man of God has said than what God himself said. I, I know, I, I know that, that this happens. And th this man of God is not necessarily a true man of God. We know that. I don't have to go over that. But have you found yourself believing in a man of God versus God himself? Because the word of God exists and it is very, very clear in the scripture. If you are at a loss, at least go to the scripture. Forget looking for these, these generated prophecies and divinations. Go to the word of God. Perceive, cause your soul and your spirit to understand that this is the word of him who conquered death, who is the resurrection and the life. And therefore, if anybody is to be trusted, it is his word. We find ourselves believing a doctor's verdict more than the verdict of God himself. We find ourselves believing academic results and predictions versus what God himself has said to us. You know, the, the fact that you have failed uh, all level doesn't mean that the verdict therefore is zero for you. What has God said about you? That, that is the one that we should be looking at. Because these academic results are nothing compared to the power of the one who has said he would be with you, the one who has said he would prosper you, the one who has said he would lift you up. We find ourselves believing statistics yeah, and various statistical models to predict what will come versus what God himself has said in his word. Isn't this most unfortunate? I don't know whether you are getting what I'm trying to say. It's most unfortunate that you would have the power of the resurrection, that the, the resurrection himself, on your, at your side, waiting to, 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 to bless you, and you find yourself running to and believing in statistical predictions, academic results, comments and, and, and predictions of doctors, uh, men of God, perceived men of God versus God himself. We even find ourselves believing in financial well-being as the determinant of a stable future versus the presence of Jesus himself, who is the resurrection and the life. So let's check ourselves. I'm just going to write off for you some, some of the promises 
that maybe we hear every day, but fail, or not fail, but maybe have trouble believing them in the context of the capacity of him who has promised. The Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never. Who is it who will never leave you? The one who is the resurrected, the one who conquered death, the one thing that all academicians, white men, black men, intelligent people, philosophers have never been able to conquer. That one who conquered death is the one saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. So allow me to even ask you in Uganda, why, why would you be shaken? I'm speaking to you as I'm speaking to myself, friends. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you, that you may boldly say, I am your helper. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and know I am with you always. Why would you then be shaken when, when, when you, you think the other people have left you? He said he will be with you. So it doesn't matter who has left you. He said he will be with you. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. That is also a promise of he who, who, who is the greatest power ever. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It's not in the context of their academic achievements, which village they come from, how far they came from, wherever they are to Kampala. It's not in that context. It is simply a promise from the Lord God Almighty. I could go on. I could go on. But he who has that power, the power to overcome death, hell, and the grave, which is the biggest formidable force that humankind has ever had to face, is the one giving us his promises. He even tells you, if you lack wisdom, ask him, you know? But then we go running to other people, judging from their history and their experience, whether we can run with this or not. He says, fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Uphold you by my righteous right hand. I could go on. But even as I come to a close, I want us to learn some lessons from Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, when Lazarus had died. Now, the time is first spent. I will simply run through that scripture for you so that those who, who are not uh, maybe very familiar with the story can, can quickly catch up. And then we will come, we'll bring this to a close. When Jesus finally got there, this is from John 11, um, verses 17, uh, starting at verse 17. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus uh, already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha had Jesus, had Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. And now Jesus responds, you do not have to wait for the end. I am right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, master. All along, I have believed that you are the Messiah, the son of God who comes into the world. Then Jesus the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. 
It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there is a stench. He's been dead for days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, he said, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I am grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver, wrapped from head to toe and with a, a handkerchief over his face. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. That is, loose him and let him go. I want to highlight for you three things that Martha said that we find ourselves also saying. First, she said, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. So in a sense, she's saying your ability to operate or to redeem this situation was only before death. Now that he's dead, you are kind of late. How many times do we say this to God directly or indirectly about our dead situations? You know, it's as if it comes to a point when it reaches this point and it is dead, Jesus cannot operate. Hmm? She was sort of saying him, your abilities, your abilities stopped you know, at death. When he died, you know, it is too late. Hmm? Then she, when he said he was moving to now uh, call Lazarus forth from the dead, she said, it is four days now, you know, there is a stench. Sort of saying he is too dead, you know, maybe even implying that if she had come on that day when the body is still warm, like day one, eh, there they could have been a chance. But therefore, it's like he is too dead. You know, I mean, by the third day, it's, it's not just death. It's now decay that has taken over. Of course, it begins in the intestines with bacteria that are, you know, multiplying, eating of that, that you know, dead flesh. And so there is a stage. That's what she was trying to say. What situations of ours are too dead to the point that even evil has taken over and is, is really eating up that, we, you know, that they are causing a stench? What are those situations? Are we also responding like Martha? That it is four days. I'm sorry for using Uganda, but sometimes I, I, I use it to try and help us explain our mindset sometimes. Sometimes we think, you know, we, we are too dead. We are too dead now. Then she, when he said that, the, 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 that Lazarus would rise, she took it in the theological context, you know, the, the, what she had always been taught. I know that he will rise again on the last day, you know, as in it cannot happen now. But Jesus, that's why he told her, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I have a resurrection. He said, I am. He did not say, I know one who is the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. He, he's, he didn't say, I can, you know, raise, which suggests that maybe sometimes he might not do it. He said, I am. And this is what we need to internalize and know that which we are commissioned to witness for, that the one who we have believed is the resurrection. He is the embodiment of resurrection. When he is present, resurrection power is present. When he, his business, he speaks and does resurrection, he restores, he is the resurrection. He doesn't only maybe have, I, I don't know, I'm not an English teacher, but I hope you understand. When someone says, I am this, it is more powerful than saying, I have this, you know? And we are commissioned to be witnesses of the fact that Jesus is the resurrection. We are commissioned to be witnesses 
of the resurrection, as I said in the earlier part of, of my sharing. So let us come back to ourselves. What are the things or situations around us that we need to speak to as witnesses of the resurrection? Think of those things in your life. Let us think of those things in our lives. Call upon Jesus, invite Jesus in his capacity as the resurrection and the life in these situations. And believe to have them come forth like Lazarus and loosed and let go to operate. Think about those situations in your individual life, in our life as a church, in our life as a nation. Can we this morning come before the Lord in his capacity as the resurrection and invite him in these situations that we may again witness for him as the resurrection, that we may again provide evidence that those looking in our lives will see that he who is on our side is the resurrection. I don't know what it is that you're you're dealing with, is it a, is it a dead womb? Eh? A womb that they've told you this one can't operate, you may have to adopt, you may have all those things that we as doctors. Is it a dead organ in your body? Invite the resurrection of the life in that situation. Is it a, a, a dead dreams and destinies. You know, you feel it's too far spent. It, it got damaged long time ago. I just have to walk in this destiny. Is it that? Invite the resurrection and the life into those dreams, into those resurrections, into those destinies. And they will be brought forth from death. Is it dead marriages? Sometimes you feel that this marriage is too cooked. Everybody agrees with you that this one, you have to forget about it. But who has the final say? The resurrection. Invite him. Invite him. Deal with your Martha-like questions and invite him in his capacity as the resurrection. Is it dead institutions, dead businesses and finances? A dead self-image? Invite the Lord. And let us really activate what we've been commissioned to do, which is to witness for the resurrection. Lord, let us pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your reminding of us, of who you really are, of your capacity, of, of who you are as the resurrection and the life. And we ask, oh God, that by your spirit, you will come. You will come and bring to life those dead situations and empower us to witness for you as the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. Over to you, my sister, Caroline. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, thanks, let us continue. Um, our God and King, thank you for your servants. Thank you for the clarity with which you have given her to speak your word of truth into our lives this morning. And Lord, even as she shared, we want to bring repentance this morning, Master, where we as people have doubted the power of your resurrection, O oh God. Have mercy upon us, Master, where like Martha, we have looked at situations and assumed that you were too late and assumed that they were beyond you, O oh God. Look down upon us this morning and have mercy upon us. Lord, we are choosing again to believe 
in the power of your resurrection. So help us to be witnesses of this resurrection in all areas of our lives, oh God. Lord, even as we have been reminded in your word, in Acts 1.8, oh God, and it is written that the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. Friends, ask for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask for the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be your witnesses, oh God. We ask for the Holy Spirit, my master, my king, Help us, help us, Spirit of God, that we will be witnesses in our workspaces. We will be witnesses in our church. We will be witnesses in this nation. We will be witnesses in the body of Christ. We will be witnesses everywhere you have blessed us, King of Kings. Help us to experience the power of your resurrection daily in the name of Jesus. We ask, O oh King of Kings, that you deal with the doubts that is in us, the doubt that we have, uh, where we have doubted the power of your resurrection, King of Kings. Master, we commit ourselves to you again this morning, remembering that Jesus conquered death. And because Jesus conquered death, we who believe, we who confess with our lips that Jesus died, he was buried and he resurrected and brings life. I pray that this day you will breathe life into our lives in the name of Jesus. Breathe life into All Saints Cathedral. Breathe life into our workspaces. Breathe life into our businesses. Breathe life in marriages. Breathe life in the academic situation of our children and our siblings, oh God. Breathe life in the land of Uganda that we call home, oh God. Lord, we believe. We believe in the power of your resurrection. So help us, even as your word says in Philippians 3.10, help us to know you, Jesus, and the power of your resurrection, that we may fellowship in your suffering, O King of Kings, that we will no longer be conformed to death, that we will understand like David did in, in, in Psalms of God when he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So we ask that you help us by your spirit, almighty God, that we too will come to this full knowledge of your saving grace. We bless you and we honor you. We pray for protection over Dr. Keith in the name of Jesus. We refuse any backfire over her life in the name of Jesus. Preserve her, protect her, King of Kings, that that which she has shared with us will equally do a work in her life and in her family. We bless her, we bless her with the blessing of God and, and we pray, King of Kings, that you continue to minister to her even as you open doors for her to do ministry. So we surrender to you this morning. Send us out in your power to do that which you have assigned for us to do and accomplish this morning and for the rest of the week. We bless you and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen, amen, amen.